Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hi, this is Henry Gilroy, co-executive producer of Star Wars Rebels. You're listening to Aggressive Negotiations. Bo Shuda, and welcome to Aggressive Negotiations. I am one of your hosts, Jedi Master John Nils, and with me here on the Nerd Party Network with this wonderful Star Wars show exploring the far reaches of the Star Wars galaxy is my dear friend, Jedi Master Matthew Rushing. Matt, the day we're recording this celebrates the anniversary of the first time that you and I ever shared a physical space together. What an incredible anniversary that we are capturing uh, <laughs> live awesome. live on a recording that will drop days after this discussion, but nonetheless, an anniversary I think well worth noting. It'll be a day long remembered. Uh, it'll be the day <laughs> that Master Rushing first met Master Mills yes. and hung out with Master Anastasio. That's um, right. It, we met the Grand Oh my Master. gosh. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, it... it it's funny because those those pictures popped up on uh, Facebook, John, and and um, just seeing the the pictures of us, you know, getting the opportunity to spend time at the ranch um, with mm-hmm. Nick, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, be able to walk around ILM with him uh, and stuff like that. It was just just an incredible experience, you know. And I I still can vividly remember my my mind is so keen to this one thought of of that that whole time which was honestly when you guys were sitting on the porch of the ranch yes. and I took a panoramic shot because mm-hmm. um, I was behind you guys and just the view yep. was phenomenal and honestly if I could have spent the rest of my life on that porch I think I probably would have been happy you know if you're gonna if you're gonna have to like uh quarantine somewhere I think Skywalker Ranch is the place to do it so um <laughs> yes but if it, if- <laughs> yeah oh my gosh uh you know uh, it- it was an incredible thing. You know, we went to the company picnic too and and, yeah. and got a chance to hang out with all of Nick's friends from Lucasfilm. Uh, we met Dave Filoni, which was really cool. We did very briefly. I mean, yep. Yeah. So that was great. Um, and he was making fun of Nick, which was hilarious. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just. Uh, and then, I mean, we got to spend time in the world of George Lucas. You know, which was just an incredible thing of, of um, you know, spending time in his his hometown and, and also getting to, you know, see the, the cool statues. You know, we had the pictures uh, of where the Indy statue as well as the, the yep. uh, Yoda statue is. And I just, you know, oh, man, um, we could go on and on about this. This is not a show about that, but absolutely this is it was one of my favorite things to have happened in my life. I completely, completely agree. It's uh, it's it's a treasured memory, will be forever. If 
Uh, you know, if people are relatively new to the show, I forget what episode it was, but we did in fact record uh, with Nick in his living room uh, yeah, shortly after uh, having been there and talking about our, our impressions and things that we felt we had learned and seen and stuff like that. So, you know, an incredible, incredible happening that just further cemented you know, some very dear friendships. But you mentioned, of course, that uh, you saw those pictures on Facebook. So, of course, people can go and find the network on Facebook. Uh, we're the Nerd Party on Facebook, the Nerd Party on Instagram, at Joy Nerd Party on Twitter. And the show has its own account, at the Jedi Masters, on Twitter as well. And um, we're sitting here, we're reminiscing. And so th this is sort of a, like a good segue into what we were planning to talk about because there's going to be a little reminiscing involved but we talked about imperial cannon fodder uh, in the previous episode the stormtroopers clone troopers every type of trooper that there was the, the grist for the mill of the star wars themselves but that sort of started making us think about you know what we refer to as canon with one n meaning the lore that's attached to star wars and we're going to be talking about uh, you know, different aspects of canon fodder, C-A-N-O-N fodder, the expanded universe, if you will, the publishing empire, those sorts of things, and talking about different stops we had along the way. But, you know, and we, we touch on it from time to time. But I wanted to take a little bit of a different approach, Matt. And what I wanted to look at it from, the angle I wanted to look at it from, was as somebody who fell out of love with the expanded universe years before the prequels got back into it with the prequels and have kind of fallen out of love with it again. What break points do you see in the expanded universe? Like some people look at me like I have three heads because I decided to walk away from the books here and there. What is it that makes you stick with them? Given that there are, I think clear break points where it's just been enough and I, I'm yeah. done. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Honestly, um, you know, you, you I would break it down. You you have your, uh, you know, original trilogy era in the sense of that you have like your Splinter's Lion's Eye and the Marvel comics. You know, that kind of creates its own little era, the Brian Daly books, uh, those kind of things where, um, you know, people are really trying to figure out what Star Wars is and write about it in a way that hopefully feels connected, you know. So um, that can be hit or miss for a lot of people, I think, that era. Uh, and, of course, you know, we talked through all of the Brian Daly books. You know, I, I think the next big era, obviously, starts in 1991 with the Bantham era, and it's, mm -hmm. you know, heir to the Empire. And at that point, we have... There, nobody thinks anything's going to ever happen with more Star Wars. You know, like Star Wars got three movies. Now we're on to books, right? And so Timothy's on, you know, revolutionizes what we think of as Star Wars books. Um, <laughs> uh, a thousand times better than Splinter of the Mind's Eye type of thing. You know, I mean, it just, I still love that series 100%. The original Thrawn trilogy, I, I think it still stands the test of time when I've reread it. You know, we just did that a few years ago as we worked towards, uh, you know, the the Force Awakens. Um, so I, you know, that's a that's a huge era. And, and that's, I would say that's an era where there's a lot of hit and miss in that, you know. Yes, um, some of the books is. are excellent. Um, and some of the books are less than excellent. You know, it, 
Okay, first and foremost, I want to say having read Splinter of the Mind's Eye a couple of times in my life, you know, I read it as a kid with my dad, and then I read it again, and I was like, oh, this sucks, and then I reread it again a couple of years ago, and while I'm not enamored with it, I think there are many more aspects of what we accept to be Star Wars lore in it than we first, like, it, it. it's a really good um, forecasting tool for what the Clone Wars were going to be. But I think what one of the bigger missteps with the expanded universe winds up being, especially post-91, the Bantam era, is that they dabbled in it a little bit, but I don't think enough in staying separated from the main characters. Let me give you an example. The Lando Calrissian books, which are unfairly overlooked an awful lot of the time, and the Han Solo books, which everybody knows, Brian Daly, those dealt with those characters before they were connected to the main storyline. And so they do a lot of world building and they are their own entity. They're dealing with the characters, much the way Solo A Star Wars Story does, where it's like, this is a world I recognize, but these are stories that are fresh and new. And I think when we get to the Bantam era, I think a lot of the hit and miss stuff that we have has to do with the fact that we never separate enough from those characters. Even Tales from the Bounty Hunters, it all relates back to the stuff we know from the movies. And so they felt obligated to sort of orbit around those sorts of things. But speaking of missteps, right, what do you think is behind those missteps? They they have story groups. They have writer meetings. They have pitch meetings. Why do you think it's been so hard for them to get something that feels as unified as, say, a Marvel movie series, which you would think with a book series would be much more achievable? You know, I think that's a, an interesting question. I think that one of the things that you really got with uh, the, the, the books, especially in that Bantam era, you know, look, there are the Thrawn trilogy does such a great job of kind of setting up the universe after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I think to the best effect, using those original characters in ways that feels very uh, much in line with what we know of them from the films, mm-hmm. but at the same time, moving them forward in interesting ways. Um, and and, and I, I think what ends up happening is that this isn't a, a, a as a connected area. I, you know, I've heard Timothy Zahn and Mike Stackpole and 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 um, Kevin J. Anderson talk about this whole idea at um, Dragon Con many times, you know, and there are obviously things they can't do, but there's also a lot of freedom for the authors as well. So, I mean, you, you get stories like The Courtship of Princess Leia, or uh, Trusa Bakura, and and they're okay. just not great stories because they don't utilize the characters in a way that feels completely in line with what we know, right? I, I, well, I also I also want to go in there and say I rem- I'm pretty sure I'm remembering correctly that courtship of Princess Leia, Luke's saber color is wrong. It mentions a blue glow at one point, and I remember looking at, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Courtship of Princess Leia where that happened, and I remember it pulling me out. But the Bantam era, at least, in the sense that what we got later with the Clone Wars, released non-sequentially. So 
you would think that would have lent itself to a little bit more. I don't know, you know, like I, the the Bantam era, I still look back on with a lot of fondness because it felt a little sure, bit freer sure. than uh, you know the subsequent era with the Yuzhan Vong and everything. Because in a sense, that gave me exactly what I was looking for, which was a unified storyline that I, you know, was had a vision and and a through narrative. But at the same time, it was a lot less. It felt a lot less spontaneous. It felt a lot less organic. Right. Well, and I mean, you know, and that's that's a great jumping off point because in the end, the next era is the new Jedi Order era. Um, and, you know, that all starts with Vector Prime mm-hmm. and, you know, R.A. Salvatore coming in and writing this, this uh, you know, uh, book that completely shakes up the universe. Uh, and, you know, I mean, Spoiler alert for a book that was written in '99, um, but you know Chewbacca dies, and 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 so it's just a it's a massive thing, and 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 you get in that whole storyline, you know, you end up with Han really having to struggle with that, and you know try and find his balance again without his best friend, and and all those kind of things, and 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 it like you said, it is this massive interconnected story. It's 19 books too, so. Some people didn't like that era. They didn't like that it lasted so long. They felt like it was too long. Um, I, for me, you know, I I will admit, you know, that was the height of my love of Star Wars books because, you know, I'd read all the other Bantam books, right? And for, for the most part, I read a lot of those. And then this was going to be this unified thing. They were going to be telling this one major story. But... Each of the books or, or, you know, they would have duologies in there as well. They they didn't just connect to a large, just the larger story, but they were also telling stories in and of themselves, right? Which was pretty cool. So in a lot of ways, it kind of felt like the Clone Wars, like it's all interconnected, but there are – and there it's all kind of moving the story forward – but then there are other stories that are smaller that are happening in these different books inside this massive right. war. And, um, you know, I mean, gosh, this was, uh, you know, the first book comes out and, and again, it comes out in 99. So the Phantom Menace has just come out and my Star Wars fandom is at a height at that point. And so for me, this is an era where uh, this this series does have a few hit or miss books. But for the most part, I fondly remember uh, and this is where there is not, for me, a lot of cannon fodder. Uh, you know, there isn't a lot of things that uh, I felt like just was completely off. I really enjoyed this era. Um, and I think part of that was because it lasted a long time. I mean, this lasts all the way to 2005. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there were a lot of writers writing in the series and it was just an enjoyable series to me. Um, I, now, to end this era, uh, I, I really did not enjoy the Darkness series um, by Troy Denning. Just didn't really like that. Um, and, and I'll say this, too. Uh, this also changed Star Wars in the sense that um, the last book in the era kind of brought this kind of interesting understanding of the Force that the dark and the light aren't all that different and it kind of was playing around with a lot of these ideas so um you know they were trying to do some different things it didn't work for everyone um but on a whole i really enjoyed this era you know i mean it was a it was a highlight for for me 
Yeah, I, I think that um, it's possible that one of the things that one of the reasons I, I go I constantly go back, aside from nostalgia, to the Brian Daly stuff or even the early Bantam stuff, is there was more of a sense of uh, fun and abandon. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fine line that the books always had trouble straddling was this idea that it didn't need to be so dour. I think that one of the things oh, that sure. turned me yeah. off yeah. to that that last stretch, you know, with, with the Yuzhan Vong was it was so dour. It was so, yeah. And it was like, I, I wanted that sense of fun and freedom. And what's What's interesting to me is this: the prequel trilogy deals with some, you know, it's it, that's a dark road right, to go right. down. But a lot of the expanded universe stuff that I encountered during it was really engaging because it recaptured that sense of, sure. yeah, you know, it, it, like it, it straddled that line sort of the way the uh, Darkness and Umbara series in the Clone Wars did, which was this is it, this is this is action, right. this is adventure, this is excitement, and it's dealing with something big mm-hmm. that's. A little bit off-putting, just the way that the yep. you know those first six films did. Yeah, and I think it, you know what makes it really fascinating is, um, and I can see what you're saying about the dourness. And obviously, uh, there's a lot of things that I mean in, in the the New Jedi Order series that happen that are massive. I mean, uh, the the most pivotal being you know uh, in in the kind of the middle of the series, star by star. Uh, that's where Anakin Solo dies. You yeah. know, uh, and Anakin Solo was a fan favorite. Of course, uh, that was an edict from George Lucas saying that because the prequels are happening, he doesn't want two competing Anakins. Um, Which and is smart. so, you know, um, and so what's interesting, you know, as we mentioned before, and you were just talking about the prequel books during the New Jedi Order era, we not only have this massive series that's happening, but it's also the era in which we have the. Um, the prequel era mm-hmm. uh, and the writing of the books for the prequel era. And that's, I think, you know, what's so fascinating about the prequel era is that, you know, uh, we get lead in books to the movies, you know, um, you know, you have your like um, approaching storm leading into uh, yeah. attack of the clones, you know, uh, you have the same thing with, uh, Oh, what's the one that's uh, leading into the Phantom Menace? Um, into the Phantom Menace or into Revenge of the Sith? Uh, Phantom Menace is Cloak of Deception uh, is the one I'm thinking of. Oh, okay, um, right. You know, and in the, you you do the same thing with uh, you know uh, the the third movie as well. You know, you you lead in with Labyrinth of Evil, which was meant to pick up you know right as you're going into the movie and right. then that doesn't quite line up with the Clone Wars micro series. But, you know, on a whole, I really, this was another era that, I mean, and this is why for me, this era of Star Wars books, it's like, you know, if you didn't like the new Jedi Order stuff that was coming out, the Clone Wars stuff was there, you know, and all this stuff around the prequels. And I ate these books up and for the most part really enjoyed them. I mean, you got incredible books like, Shatterpoint um there yeah. uh you had some incredible books like um the uh the, the, I really enjoyed the Medstar uh duology that they had um that had Barris Offie in it um you know things like that which I just thought were fantastic yeah I uh I I definitely wound up going with the prequel era books uh because I again I, I found them to be 
I just found I just found the prequels themselves and I found the prequel era books to be so much more I don't know why, but just so much more engaging uh, in those terms. But this is, you know, I want to get back to that that question I had for you at the beginning. You have stayed much more with the books than Mm -hmm. I have. You even review books for like Star Wars Report and stuff like that. Right. And I have, I pick and choose. Like every, so I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, I'll pick up Bloodline. Oh, hey, Claudia Gray wrote something. Yeah, I'll read that one. That sort of stuff. And that, of course, doesn't detract from other authors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just, you know, first author that came to mind, you know, all of those sorts of things. But, like, I, I'm, I'm still trying to get to why is it that, I mean, do you think that it's just a completist streak in you? Do you think that the book publishers can always rely on that completist streak? Or we have a big series coming out, the that this next... Um, Oh, the High Republic, yeah. The High, the High Republic series, which we're going to be going into. Like, how excited are you for that? I know we don't typically talk about, like, you know, oh, hey, upcoming releases and everything, but, like, we're about to go into right. a new era of book publishing for Star Wars. Where does that leave you as somebody who has been with it for so long? Are you feeling a sense of excitement? Are you feeling a sense of, okay, here we go again. We're going to start over. Yeah. So... What's interesting to me, you know, uh, on the question you asked just about why I've stayed with things, you know, I really enjoy a good Star Wars story, you know, whether it's an animation or novel form or in a comic. Um, I tend to like novels more than comics personally, just because there, there's more depth there. I love the good art and stuff, but, you know, again, a book can just be ha- have a lot more depth. And so um, I. I would say, you know, if I were to create a list, and I, I had done this, and, and I haven't updated in a little while, but, you know, I'd say that, like, it, just take the new era canon now. Uh, it's probably 65, 35, 65. I've liked the books enough. And, mm-hmm. you know, 35, I you just like, you know. Um, and so, I mean, and that's been a good thing for me um and and, you know honestly i'd say there's been some uh, for me for me there you know there's been some massive standouts you know you mentioned claudia gray and you know we both love lost stars um you know uh, her her work with uh master and apprentice you know uh, with I, i i i'm sorry to cut you off but like you know anytime somebody says lost stars it still infuriates me that that's not the book that they led with going right. into yeah. yeah well and it came the out the same awakens. time as uh, uh uh it really did aftermath. it came out the same yeah, same time as aftermath but aftermath was the one that everybody was hyping and lost star which was actually the book that was great but but the and and the thing is i think people were hyping aftermath not just because of the genre difference of oh this is a young adult book versus an adult adult book but because people were still obsessed with that idea of what happens after star wars yeah, absolutely, and they they were kind of right. hoping that it was going to be basically the heir to the empire for you know right. the new canon. Whereas Lost Stars was brilliant because that was the reboot Disney was looking. That was the soft reboot of the original trilogy era Disney was really looking for. Sure, that's what well, got served it, to them in Lost Stars, and the fact that yep. it got put off to the side is always going to break my heart because mm-hmm. everybody should read that one. 
Everybody, yep. like if somebody says, oh, what should I, Lost Stars, here, I'll buy you a copy. If you don't want, you know, buy a yeah, copy. Absolutely. If you don't like it, I'll, I'll pay, you, pay you for it. <laughs> I've actually Pepsi told Challenge. people that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I think the thing that's so great about that book is that it walks through the entire original trilogy and then onward and sets us up for The Force Awakens. Yeah. Uh, in such a subtle way. And it, it doesn't ever feel lazy in the fact that you're using all these things, the way she works in all the characters with all these events feels really organic. But it feels so organic because she created characters to which you were so enamored with that you kind of didn't necessarily care about the setting, honestly. Like she, it, it, right. that helped, but she had actually created something that you cared about. And that's really kind of what mattered. Here, here's, you know what, as long as we're, you know, I'm still trying to keep this sort of like me interviewing you here and there sort of thing. We're getting High Republic coming. We've talked about the prequel era. We've talked about how they've tried to mine the post-original trilogy era. And yes, we have Bloodline, but we don't have a whole lot of stuff still in that gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. I'm getting this feeling like they're afraid to touch it. Like they don't want to go. It's almost like it's radioactive to go. The the time period between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, from my eye, looks like the same sort of give it a wide berth approach that they had to discussing the Clone Wars back in the Bantam era. There were certain things. You just didn't talk about them. You could, you know, here and there, you could have a couple of things. Again, I know Bloodline stands out there, but why is it? Do you why is it? Do you think when there are so many people that say, "Hey," to and we've said repeatedly, you could probably rehab my feelings about the the sequel trilogy if you gave me a little bit more to work with in that time period sure. in between. Why do you think they're steering clear of it? Why do you think they go High Republic instead of this era that's sitting there that we all want to know about that we're dying yeah. to know about? You know, I, I, I've wondered that question so much myself. Um, I I wonder if maybe we'll start to get some more of that. You know, uh, we are going to, you know, get the Poe Dameron book that's going to kind of explain his backstory, um, which is interesting, is, is you know, his, his whole history with uh, what happened with um, on, on Kajimi uh, with Zori Bliss and all of that. So I think that's fascinating. You know, uh, and in that era too, we had some great books. Like you know, both you and I actually liked the Phasma novel. We Very didn't much. enjoy the character greatly in the movies because she was so underserved. But the actual character as written in that book was fascinating. And so, yeah. I'm I am really surprised we really have not gotten more in there. And I I don't know if it's just that they have plans because like with the Mandalorian playing in the post return of the Jedi era. Mm. I think that might be one of the reasons like they're just kind of like hands off with it. We're going to let them you know play in that era and, and we'll go play in a new era we're creating. I feel like a dummy. That's exactly right. Cause there is a Mandalorian book coming out. So that's, yeah, there, there is that yep. that's, there, there, that's yep. our post Jedi mm -hmm. era that yep. we're going to get our answers from. And that actually is, mm -hmm. I mean, that's terrific because who doesn't love the Mandalorian? I mean, seriously, who doesn't love the Mandalorian? I, I if you don't, I I don't know if we could be friends. I'm just kidding. Um, but I I have, I would find it hard to be friends because the Mandalorian is so good. So. No, but but you know somebody might not love it as much as we do. But 
I can't understand somebody not at least liking it. Sure. Where yeah, I can't either. So I guess that actually I just that answers our own question. It's that we're we're looking for something that's got that branding of like the mm-hmm. the lead up to the Force Awakens, and instead right. they're right. saying, you know what, y'all love the Mandalorian. We're going to explore the world around here right. a little bit more. And you know that I mean the Mandalorian is a character that is built to have world building happen around him. Sure, yeah, because that happens in the show, and so in the books and other materials, he's he's designed to have the world going on around him mm-hmm. as he moves through it. I mean, because he's a classic Western character. I mean, that's how Western characters operated. Right. You know, ride into town, something's going on, you learn about the town, you learn about the conflict, and then he rides on and he goes forward. And so it's perfectly episodic like that. Well, and I think, um, you know, with the the new era that they have planned, you know, basically they're doing this thing where they're creating a whole era where it's theirs to play in. So, you know, um, and there's nothing around them. You know, their only thing is to make sure that they're in line with, you know, uh, overall storytelling of Star Wars, you know, which is really important. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that's great. Um, and, you know, seeing the Jedi in that time period, I think is a great idea. You know, people love Jedi and, and they love the exploration of them. Um, you know, the legacy books of, of uh, the Legends era had tried that with the Dawn of the Jedi era, like the very beginning of the Jedi, like 10,000, 20,000 years ago or whatever. It, it just didn't quite work you know it wasn't as good as like the old republic era which people really love the old republic with the game and and that spawned a bunch of books um so i think that this could be really successful for the novels um and honestly to me it seems like the novels would also be a fantastic place that if they wanted to i mean because you know we had dark disciple come out and so uh you know if there are other clone wars arcs that will never be touched or anywhere else you know like a novel is a great way to do that because mm-hmm. dark disciple gave us a fantastic end for the story to asajj ventress and a really pivotal story for the jedi at the same time which you know was was wonderful i just reread it not too long ago and it's still stands up so i would love to kind of see that um and i what i'm interested in here and i i, I so the thing that interests me the most is that we're going to have all this interconnectedness with this new era that they're creating. And I'm really interested to see how that works because that was kind of hit or miss in the legacy era of the Legends books when you kind of got into Legacy of the Force and the Fate right. of the Jedi series where some of those books I really enjoyed were really good. I mean, I can even remember key moments from... Uh, Inferno from Legacy of the uh, Force where Luke is just a complete BA and, you know, I mean, full-on Grandmaster of the Jedi, you know, awesomeness. Um, but they, there were parts of the story sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. And, you know, they would have all these story conferences with the authors that worked together, but especially Legacy of the Force, it was a much, it felt much more hit or miss, you know, because it felt like some of the authors were trying to do one thing and some of the authors were trying to do the other thing. So I say all that because that's really the era that kind of ended the Legends era. Yeah. Uh, and so 
how will that play out now um, as they try and start this new High Republic era? Will they kind of have learned some of the lessons of maybe how to um, work together better? Will will the books be uh, connected but more slightly standalone? Basically, like will the will the the era feel more like the DC movies, or will it feel more like we're trying to be the MCU? Yeah, and I would suggest to them that you probably, whether or not you like the DC movies or not, the great thing about them is, is that I can pop into Wonder Woman or Aquaman or Man of Steel. I, I don't, I don't have to have watched, you know, like I don't have to have watched the others, right? So yeah. you, you do want to credit make this era, I think, a little bit more friendly in that way because that's really good for sales too. Well, I, I I'm also a big fan of not feeling obligation by the by the time that arc sure. with yeah. you know people talk about marvel movies coming out again and my reaction is i, I made it to end game i'm tired i i'm yeah i'm good i feel this guys you know i know not everybody feels that way and i'm not saying like anybody should feel my way but it's just after end game it was just sort of like all right cool great we did that and now i'm done but let me ask one last provocative question for you here because you know me, I love asking provocative questions. Do you think that books really have a place anymore, especially given that Star Wars is visual and given that streaming has asserted its dominance and everything like that? Shouldn't they be turning all of this effort toward new series and animated series and films as opposed to books? Why is it you think that books remain this important aspect to star wars i mean star trek as well and everything but like to star wars given the fact that it's all on you know a celebration and exploration of film why do you think it endures in books that is a great question uh i'll answer it two ways one uh, you mentioned star trek books having uh, them being popular so for Star Trek books, uh, you know, once the film Nemesis came out and killed Star Trek, uh, <laughs> the only yeah. way to follow those characters in the 24th century became the books. And they created their whole universe, right? Like they went and did their own thing. I'd been following those books. I did a podcast called Literary Treks, you know, like I enjoyed the Star Wars, bo- Star Trek books and... So now that the moment has come where Picard, the television show, has Mm -hmm. come out and basically like erased all of that, the reason I was so dedicated to those is because it was the continuing story of these characters that I loved from The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, you know, all those characters. If if you wanted their story and what had happened to them, you had to read the books, right? Which is great. Um, they were never going to be seen on screen again. You were never going to get a Deep Space Nine movie or a Voyager movie. You weren't getting any more TNG movies. So um, thank you, Nemesis. So that <laughs> became the way to do that. So then you get Star Wars, and in 91, it becomes that same thing, right? Nobody thinks that we're going to be getting more Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So Heir to the Empire comes out and revolutionizes the idea of Star Wars. And it brings back Star Wars in a way that feels authentic to the series for the most part. There's a, some minor quibbles that I have with it. Um, 
But on a whole, it kind of felt like you were you were reading seven, eight, and nine. And mm-hmm. then they just kept going. And then of course, you know, in ninety nine, we know we're gonna get the prequels, but the era with Luke and the and those characters stills untouched. Right? So that whole era, this is why you still have people that are so dedicated to the Legends era, is because it built it's fandom around the idea that this is the continuing story of all the characters you loved. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that anymore, right? Because the the books are only now a continuation of the minutia stories that they're going to allow an author to tell. Nothing major is going to happen in a book anymore, I think. Mm. Um, it's only going to happen on television or it's going to happen in a movie. And because... It's all canon, right? Right. And so they're not going to tell major stories. Uh, there are a few exceptions. We we got Dark Disciple, right? Which is a, is, a, is a rare exception where a very pivotal story happened to a major character from the Clone Wars that can only be read about in that book. Um, you, you got... Um, I, I personally absolutely love uh, John Jackson Miller's uh, a new dawn, which introduces us to uh, Hera and Kanan meeting for the first time. Very good, book. and how they yeah, which yeah. how they start their partnership. That's a big story, right? Yeah. Um, that actually is a pivotal story. You know, it it really adds to those characters. So, but I would say on a whole, the stories that we're telling are just expanding they really truly are expanded universe and they're just expanding what you saw on screen they're not necessarily feeling as pivotal as when i read heir to the empire uh, or all the way to you know got all the way to the end and read crucible and that was kind of the swan song for luke han and leia you know it's like so that's I, I, just a long answer, but I think that's kind of the the place that we are with the books. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't still tell good stories that I enjoy reading, but my I think in many ways, a, lo- a lot of times my expectations have kind of been lowered because I am aware now that a book can't truly change anything for the characters Right. In the way that it will happen on screen, and the same, and and that's why, again, I think they're going to uh, the High Republic era because they can create their own characters and they can do their own thing, and they don't have to be beholden to anything that's happening on screen, other than making sure that they are in line with all of the lore of Star Wars and aren't like you know completely screwing that up, you know. So, I think that's why they're going that way, and and instead of like you know, kind of doing the, the thing that we were so used to. So I, I really think that's interesting. I think there's a real profound point there that the books don't feel like they're allowed to be telling grand stories anymore. They all have to be minor stories, except when you go to this new High Republic, they'll be able to tell those grand stories again. There's something big we've never heard of before that's happened. There has to be. And with Mandalorian, you're dealing with an mm-hmm. era that's in flux. And so major things can happen because they've already happened by the time we get to The Force Awakens. Sure, 
Sure. Okay. I see. I, I see where you're going with that, but I still, I still struggle with the idea. I'll read these books if I enjoy them because I'm a fan, but it'll never be the means by which to capture or keep, you know, mm-hmm. other fans. Right. Well, and I think you know, um, and just to add a couple, so you know, like something like Most Wanted. That was the lead in to Solo and Rebel Rising. That was the lead in to Rogue One. You know, both of those books were playing with uh, important stories for characters with Jin and with Han and Kira. You know, those books both uh, played with important stories that led you into those films in many of the, in the same way that those books were meant to lead you into the prequels. And they were right. again, they were telling some important stories that weren't going to be told. Um, and they truly did expand the movie in a way that make you f- made you feel like you understood those characters even more. Th- you know, the, that's where, uh, and that's where the, the the demarcation line is. I think for me, like the ones that really truly expand are the ones that I find now the ones that I really enjoy. Life altering things might not be completely happening. We're not going to be galaxy spanning in the way that maybe we we used to be able to because we had our open palette to play with. Right. But those books that make me think about the the movies differently in a good way will be the ones that really stand out. And that's I think we you know we've talked about that before, but just to kind of like bring it to a close, I think that's where they have to capture us now. They have yeah. to find a way to tell those type of stories to truly capture us in that way, um, because they can't do what they were doing before, especially, you know, when with the post uh, Return of the Jedi era, where they got to do whatever they wanted because they had free reign. And other than the few things that Lucas put on them, you know, like you couldn't do this, you could, you couldn't tell a story about Yoda and his backstory and stuff, things like that. You know, he made them do some minor changes. Um, you know, or, you know, he said you had to kill Anakin solo, but you were still, you know, <laughs> right, completely revolutionized in the galaxy. So, but now you just really need to make sure that you are expanding the universe in a way that tells such a unique and special story for whatever character you're doing that it, it makes me look at either the show I'm watching or the mo- the Star Wars movie I'm watching differently. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. I you know, it's um and I'll still hold out hope for uh more and more stories in any medium about the bad batch, you know. Yeah. Uh you know, <laughs> bring me bad batch books and comics and stuff like that. I'll read them truck, you know, hand over fist. I'll I'll read them by the truckload. I uh and I still want my Wrecker action figure, gosh darn it. Um, <laughs> well, and I think all this is said, uh, right, we can still uh, we can still all agree that the the ultimate in cannon fodder for, for any Star Wars books is the Crystal Star, so. <laughs> oh, I, or, I or, or, I, uh, or Children of the Jedi. I mean, it's a tough, I actively a tough try to forget those books. Why must you bring them up? Why must you make me suffer? That's not fair. Oh, geez. I and the, but the thing is, like, I know that those authors, you know, they they had their they had their turn and they took a big oh, yeah. swing. Yeah. But you got you know, like, Crystal Star was a tough one, man. That was a oh, that it, was a tough I, one. 
I remember trying to get through that book. Yeah. That was that was that was a tough one for me. That was just one of those ones where I think like I honestly think that she was trying to capture all the way back to like the daily or mm-hmm. or you know Splinter of the Mind's Eye era in terms of like how free she felt to move around. And I think that that book is more of just it didn't it wasn't a recognition of the fact that times had changed by that point. Oh yeah, you yeah. have to when you when you're creating you have to you know and you're working within that 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 time frame you have to respect what's going on around you and and can i just say that um that's one of the reasons you know i just recently read uh dark empire the comic oh and it yes. did, didn't it did not really work for me because of that exact reason it did not work for me so. back in the day i was the one i was the lone star wars fan who read dark empire and said i don't know guys this doesn't really feel right to me and everybody else was sitting there saying, oh, you're just being a stick in the mud. You're being a – if it had happened today, people probably would have called me gatekeeper because I was the one sitting there saying, I don't know, guys. I don't really like the where this went and this is – I don't – and it I – w- I will be completely honest. It's probably what permanently biased me against the idea of the emperor ever coming back because I disliked that aspect of it so much because – of X, Y, and Z. And then we go and we get into a different conversation after that, that we've been down before and I'm sure we'll touch on again, having to do with the rise of Skywalker. But if people want to talk to you about the printed word, either digital or soy ink on recycled paper, where can they find you online? <laughs> well, you could find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, or Vero under the name Matt Rushing 2 uh, You can find me here on the network. I'm doing... Outpost with Drea Kaufman as we're talking about Harry Potter each and every week, one chapter at a time. And then you can find me on the Trek FM network doing a couple of shows. Uh, one of them is called The Orb. I'm doing that with Chris Jones. And when we get a chance, we talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, and then you can find me doing The 602 Club, which is our general geek show where we are talking about all of the fandoms that we love. So, uh, John, uh, if people would like to catch up with you and see where they can – just see what you're up to. Uh, where can they find you? Well, my uh, my online name is Kessel Junkie, K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. Find me on your social network of choice. Uh, I actually – Try to be present on all of them, but I'm not active on all of them. It ebbs and flows. Uh, but I am always active on Letterboxd where, uh, you know, I offer my my pithy remarks on films that I'm watching. And just kicked off uh, at, shortly before we recorded this and going along uh, starting in summer 2020. I'm on a limited run show on the Nerd Party Network with Tristan Riddell and Brandon Shea Mutala where we are talking about the works of david fincher leading up to the release of his next film mank and we are going through that and it is called house of fincher so look for it on apple podcasts or whatever podcatcher that you use but i know that they have it broadcasting over the loudspeakers at the jedi temple master rushing so we'd better rush back and listen to it so i think it's time to close these negotiations John, negotiations are closed. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. 
This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.